Good evening, good evening, good evening. Welcome to another edition of the Sideline Junkies. I'm KG. I'm joined tonight by Delonte. What up, what up? And soon to be joined by Big Jim. Uh, got a little special show going on tonight. Um, it's a, a, a kind of sort of a continuation of our last show where we talked about the pro football GOAT. But instead of us talking about the pro football GOAT, I just wanted to go old school and talk about some of the greatest things that we've been able to witness over the course of our lifetimes. And I'm sure between everybody here that's going to be here, we've just seen a lot of good things. So I'm going to start right with you, jump right into it. And I'm going to ask you, Delonte, mm-hmm. in your opinion, what was that one play that you seen as a child, as a teenager that made you like truly fall in love with the sport of football? I would have to say the the white Clark catch. <clears throat> yeah, that that's like you know immortality right there. Immortality, oh. but yeah, man, that that play right there, like that's like that's probably like the best play I've ever seen. Clutch, you know, all that, the whole nine. You know what? I can't even knock you on that one, because now, mind you, at the time it happened, what was that? That was January '81. Yep. Yeah, I wasn't. I was still another nine months away, <laughs> so I didn't get to see it firsthand. But I've seen video of it, and just the the the, the sheer the the calmness that Joe Montana showed rolling out, and you got Ed Too Tall Jones bearing down on you, and you still get that playoff. That that's an amazing play. Oh, most definitely. For me. To be honest, it would have to be, uh, <laughs> of all things, the Redskins Super Bowl against your Broncos. Oh, <laughs> the 87 season, which was January 1988. I remember mm-hmm. getting geeked up for that, that Super Bowl because, I mean, I, I couldn't remember the Redskins ever being in the Super Bowl. And then to see them go down 10, and I remember – as a child, the house being kind of quiet, and then the house exploded when they went on, you know, scored 35 unanswered. And then I remember Ricky Sanders used to always do the cabbage patch. So that, that was something big to me. And it was right then and there, I was like, yeah, I, I know what I want to do. This is this is where I want to be. I, I couldn't, oh, man. Yeah, man. It's painful to watch, but it's definitely a, a historic play. Historic game, of course. I, I, I had, I think I had every type of memorabilia from that Super Bowl that used to hang on the wall. It's funny you say that because um, 
I was on Twitter one day and there's a company in Springfield. They sell sneakers, but they also sell like old school shirts. They they're selling the Redskins versus Broncos Super Bowl shirt. Um and I believe it was going for like fifty bucks. Mm. But it's classic, so you know, you can't be mad at the uh, price tag. I'd be more than willing to, to buy that. Yeah. I really would. Same here. Same here. Now, we'll go from what made you fall in love. Now, once you got a little older and you understood the game more, and you remember back when we were young, I'm talking the 80s and early 90s, on Saturdays, especially in the off season. They showed a lot of NFL film stuff. Right. So that's, you know, that's why I learned about the Raiders, the Packers. I learned about the Cowboys. I mean, I learned about every team. Yeah. Watching NFL films, what would be, what, what, what would you say was the, the, the one thing when you would watch old NFL films that really just like, made you want to go out and just, like, play football immediately? Oh, um, even though they're, like, you know, uh, our biggest rival, I would say the Black Hole. You know, the uh, the Raiders, John Madden, you know. Mm. See, like, it was, it was serious football. It was serious football, man. Like, you know, those guys, they, you know, it was bone crushed, crushing, hitting out there. I mean, like it was, it was serious. <laughs> it's funny you say that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that's what, you know, for me, it was that's what it was. It was learning about the steel curtain, uh, the orange crust defense of Denver with Lyle Alzado, yeah. um, the killer bees of Miami, the no name defense of Miami. You know, uh, the monsters of the midway. I learned about Dick Buckets. Just seeing that, and I'm like, well, man. Is that how they used to play? And that, I mean, it wasn't as ferocious in the 80s as it was back in the 50s and 60s, but geez. And growing up in this area around that time, this is like right after the Colts left in 84. So I still heard people talk about the Colts. And I'm like, well, the Colts play in Indianapolis. What are y'all talking about? I never knew that they played in Baltimore until. Oh man, maybe about eighty nine, ninety. Yeah. I didn't know they played Baltimore. Oh yeah. And then I started learning about who Johnny Unitas was, Alan Amici, uh, Jimmy O. You know, I started learning about all these guys, Earl Moore. And speaking of which, I I can't find it, but I wish I wish I could. I had a autographed copy of his autobiography. Oh wow. Earl, Earl Moore's autobiography, and hmm. I, I would love to find it. But I can't find it. <laughs> I don't move so much, man. I can't. Man. But hey, that's another thing. Yo. You forgot a uh we forgot another um historical defense. The purple people eaters. Oh my from goodness. Minnesota. And we you know what? The fearsome foursome. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, with the Rams and Deacon Jones. Yeah. I learned about Deacon Jones as a kid, and you would have thought that I watched Deacon Jones play. Right, because just to hear him talk about how he would come off the line, and he said, "Once I get that first hand, I'm gonna slap you in your ear hole." 
you know, your head ran. When that second hand come up, he can't see straight. I'm gone past it. Yeah. And I mean, Deacon Jones is credited with coming up the term with the term sack. Yeah. I mean, Deacon, I, see, you taking me all the way back now. Yeah, man. Can't forget the great defenses of the 70s, man. I'm just oh man. I, I'm, I'm still in awe because I always wanted to find out. I, I wanted to sit down and talk to, you know, y- y- your buddy Ryan's and, and with that 46 defense in Chicago. And I wanted to break – I always wanted to break that defense down. And I've had a chance to, you know, we're in the internet age, so you got a chance to look at different things and – then you you can find you can actually Google a breakdown of the forty six and how it's supposed to work. Right. Now, us coming up as kids, we had video games. Once they put the forty six video, uh, the forty six defense on Madden. Oh man, I use that thing to perfection. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it's designed to stop the run to make you pass, but it's so many, it's so much coming, you can't get the ball off. Yeah. But. See, I, I had to say the Madden talk for when when Jim comes and, and BJ comes because those, those are the Madden gurus of, of the sideline junkies. I think Delonte, I think me and you are the two K gurus. Yeah, yeah, that's that's more my speed, my lane, you know. Um, another question. Mm-hmm. What's the greatest run you've ever seen by a running back? Mm. Um. Oh, that's easy. Uh, ninety-one. Um, NFC playoffs. Barry Sanders against Dallas. That's when he ran mm. into the hole. They thought he was going to tackle him, but then he ran out, and you know he cut. I think, and then he hit the outside. He was gone. It's funny you say that because I was going. I got a Barry Sanders run myself, but it was against the Patriots, and he took off one side, came back. And once he got in the secondary, I don't know. I can't even remember who the safety was. He Instead of him kind of making a move, he just ran straight. So Barry slowed down. He went to his left. So he looked over his left shoulder. Barry cut back to the right and took off on him. That split second was all he needed. Wow. Yeah. That dude, man, he, he's still the best. That's running back ever. I always wondered, what was it? Like, I've watched his footwork. And Barry Sanders, most people say, well, he was so fast. Barry Sanders wasn't really fast. His stride was so long, he covered so much ground. Like, if you look at most running backs that are fast, their legs are pumping. But Barry Sanders had such a graceful run, but his stride was so long. If you look at it, his stride was way out there, and he covered so much ground to be so slow. Oh, yeah. But and he's considered one of my favorite running backs of all time. Like I can sit there and watch his highlights and just sit there and laugh. Yeah, because ain't nobody catching him. No. But you know, we we always say what if and what could have happened, would have, should have, you know. But if Barry Sanders would have been able to play on a different team. Because he, he, he did all of his rushing without a solid offensive line. Yeah. 
he didn't really mediocre quarterback. Indeed. I mean, you had now. I think the best quarterback they had, the best quarterback Detroit has ever had, outside of Matthew Stafford. Mm-hmm. I mean, in modern era now, dare I say Rodney Pete? Yeah, that's not saying a lot. No diss to um to you know Pete, but that's not saying a lot. Right. And ah man, I just you feel. You feel bad for him, but like it was a cause he was dealt, but he still wound up being one of the greatest all-time rushers ever. Right on a mediocre team. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But now you know my second favorite run. Which one? What's that? It was an Emmitt Smith run, and most people say, "What? You're a Cowboy fan? How can you say?" I mean, you're a Redskins fan. How can you say something about Emmitt Smith? Look, as much as I hate the Cowboys, one thing I do have is respect for Emmitt Smith, Troy Aikman, and Michael Irvin. Right. It was a game, uh, what was that? I think, was that 92? He had a separated shoulder against the Giants and still came in and scored. I think I, mean, I can't remember how many yards he ran for, but he took a handoff. Mm-hmm. He started stepped through the hole, and somebody was getting blocked and reached out the arm tackle. The reason why I love the run because I watched him stutter step, go through the hole. The arm comes. He grabs the arm with his left hand, shields the ball, moves the arm out of the way, and goes through the hole. Like, it's like he actually took the time to slow down. I'm going to move your arm out my way. I'm gone. Right. That I mean, in my opinion, those early 90s, I'll say 91, 92, 91 to 96. I'll say that was Emmett Smith's prime. Oh, yeah. He was unstoppable. It was, it, remember, it used to be him and Barry Sanders. Yeah, neck and neck. Yeah. And um, Thur- Thurman and, Thomas, he was, it wasn't too far off, but he wasn't close either. You know what? I used to love Thurman Thomas. And it, it's funny because I had a cousin. I have a cousin. Mm-hmm. And he was a huge Buffalo Bill fan. And his reason for being a Buffalo Bill fan, everybody else was Pittsburgh fans. Yeah. Uh, you had We got a couple Cowboy fans sprinkled in the family, right. mostly Redskins fans. But his reason was – he seen O.J. Simpson run, and he was a little, little boy. He said, man, I was young. I seen O.J. Simpson run, and I automatically loved the Buffalo Bills after that. Man. And I was like, wow. He was like, man, nobody could touch O.J., but O.J. just didn't have a team around him. Right. But we used to watch Buffalo games every Sunday mm-hmm. growing up. So it would, it would be if the Redskins played at four and Buffalo played at one, it was great. But – if the Redskins played at one and Buffalo played at one, you know, we we had to figure out something, you know, what was going to happen. Right. We figured it out. Uh, I say about – that was the 90 season. In 91, we figured it out. We got two TVs in the bedroom. My grandmother got us a, another TV from a yard sale. Mm-hmm. So we had two TVs. We had one for Channel 9, one for Channel 4. We was good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Old school. Yeah. But I watched a lot of Thurman Thomas – and I, that early 90s Bills team, 
to go to four straight Super Bowls like they did. Yeah, it's not easy. Not at all. Not easy, son. And I look at that. And what I take away from it is out of those four, they should have won two. They had the Giants beat. Yeah. Yeah, you missed the chip shot. Right. They they weren't going to beat the Redskins because the Redskins jumped out on 24 nothing. They weren't going to beat them. They weren't going to beat the Cowboys the first time. No. But the second time, you went in the halftime 13 to 6. Thurman Thomas fumbled three times. Yeah. And I think that right there, that game is what got me off of Thurman Thomas. Because I was like on the biggest stage, you crumbled. And I, I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't, I don't think I can rock with him like that because it hurt my feelings to see him go down like that. Right. Especially <laughs> the way that offense was set up with that K gun offense. I always thought that that was one of the most powerful offenses to ever grace football because nobody was prepared for that no huddle. Oh no, definitely not. And the thing is. They would get you in the beginning of the game. Like most teams would go no huddle uh, late in the game. They would get you in the beginning of the game and go. And, you know, you're tired. And people complained about it. It was like we can't substitute because they're going no huddle. Hey, it's a part of the game. Right. You're right. That brings me to my next question for you. Mm -hmm. What's the greatest offense you've ever seen? Dang. Uh, oh, got to go with the Niners. That West Coast, that short. Yeah, that West Coast pop, pop. Offense, Joe, Jerry, like, John Taylor, like, man. All, you know, translated to a lot of Super Bowl victories for those guys, man. Indeed it did. And Jerry Rice could take a, a slant. It's going to be a five-yard slant, and it's it's gone 45 yards. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, you know what, John Taylor. People, a lot of people slept on John Taylor, man. I agree with you. I, I wholeheartedly agree. And he got a he got a gang of highlights, you know, under his belt. So you know, we, we let's let's give you know credit where credit is due to Mister John Taylor. He he held his own. He's like. He's like a, a a quiet art monk because I mean, well, even quieter art monk. Art monk got the respect, but John Taylor got the catches, the plays, but he never got the respect. Yeah, you're right. I'm trying to pull up his uh his stats, but of course I can't find it. But John Taylor underrated his own or what? Because, I mean, but you playing on the opposite side of Jerry Rice. And the thing is, most people think he only played with the Niners in the 80s. He played with the Niners in 94. He was on that Super Bowl team, too. Yeah. Um, I got a, I got a question for you. Now, you, you bring, being a Denver Bronco fan. Mm-hmm. And I know growing up, the heartbreak you dealt with. Uh, 
what's one of the greatest times that you had watching the Broncos? Um, the drive, 86 against Cleveland. I think that's when I really – you know what? That might have been the game that I was like, hmm, yeah, I'm a Broncos fan, and I haven't looked back since. I watched them do this drive from R5 and, and take it 95 yards down the field. Touchdown. Game over. You know what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny you say that because the thing about that game and just that era of the Broncos, the only thing that John Elway was missing was a dominant running back, somebody to take the pressure off him so he didn't have to pass so much. Yeah, you're right. That's the only thing that was missing. Yeah, man. But that him engineering that drive, and most people don't remember, the Browns were actually good in the 80s. Yeah, they had Ernest Biner. Ernest Biner was a beast. Exactly, him. Then they wound up getting – they used him and Kevin Mack at the same time for a little while before yeah. they traded Ernest Biner to the, uh, to the Redskins. You had uh, – geez, um, Ozzie Newsom was the tight end. Uh, you you had a lot going on with that team. Bernie Kosar was your quarterback. And for those who don't know, Bernie Kosar was a part of that, that long line of Miami Hurricane quarterbacks that came out and were pretty daggone good. And I think Bernie Kosar gets disrespected a lot because of um, <laughs> because of where he played, where he was drafted. Hmm. You had uh, geez, who else? Uh, um, um, dang, I can't even think of the receivers now. I used to know all their receivers, but if you notice, Cleveland was always on the wrong end in the eighties of the Broncos. Yeah, definitely. The Broncos always had their number. Always. Then uh, <laughs> jumping back to John Elway, think about what could have been if John Elway would have went to Baltimore like he was drafted. Yeah, thank God he, uh, you know, he he stood up, he stood up for himself. Now, one of my favorite uh, ESPN thirty for thirties is the band that wouldn't die. It's about the Baltimore Colts marching band, mm-hmm. and they all say. Number one, if you're from this area and you you're fo- you, you're in love with football, I don't mean you just watch it. I mean you're you're in love with it. It don't matter where you're from, actually. Right. If you watch that, you're in love with football. And you see what happened, how that team was ripped out of the city with all you know everything that the championships, the greatest game that ever played. And that team was ripped out of the city the way it was in the middle of the night to go to Indianapolis. If you don't cry, I don't think you have a soul. Yeah, no, you're right. And I know a few um, well, Colts, now Ravens fans who, you know, they the, they hate. <laughs> and hate is a strong word, but they hate 
um, Baltimore ownership for doing that. Yeah. And it, but they said in that documentary, imagine if, if Elway would have reported the camp in Baltimore instead of going to instead of getting traded and going to um Denver, mm-hmm. the probably would have never left Baltimore. Nah, he'd have been a franchise quarterback. Who right. Knows what would have happened? And the thing is, uh, Burt Jones, who is – I don't care what anybody says. Burt Jones is a legend in Baltimore for what he did. NFL MVP in uh, 76. And he was gone by the time the Colts left. But imagine if in 83 – they could have got that franchise, and it would set them on their legs. And they may have did something different. I mean, who knows? Who knows what they could have did with John Elway? I mean, we're sitting here looking in the crystal ball, but still. Right. But I'm going to tell you something. And one of my all-time favorites is Shannon Sharp. Oh, and yeah. he said something about John Elway. It was against Pittsburgh. I want to yeah. say it was in the playoffs. And they were they needed a um it was what like third and fifteen, and John Elway came in the huddle and he called Old Glory, and Shannon Sharp says Shannon Sharp says John that's not in the, it's not in the game plan it's not in the game plan he said I don't care run it Shannon Sharp picks up eighteen yards yeah I mean it's decisions like that makes John Elway who he is oh yeah and everybody always asks well you got two minutes to go who do you want. I'm like, is it two minutes to go in a Super Bowl or is it a playoff game? But even if right now, if it's two minutes to go in a, in a, in a Super Bowl, I'll take John Elway. Give, him, yeah. give me John Elway. Yeah, you have to. Another uh, great quarterback that I, I think is overlooked, but he has a lot of passing records, but is overlooked, Dan Marino. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. What it is, but he, I think it's the everybody puts that championship stuff into the greatness discussion. But sometimes you have to take the championships out of it and look at the, the body of work to see how great somebody is. And that goes for any sport. Yeah, I, I, I feel you on that. But it's, I think what will forever hunt Marino is the lack of postseason success. That is true. Like, man, you know, it's just a lot of like, eh, you know, like excellent regular season quarterback, but you know, when it all when it really counts, you know, it's just other teams that just one up them. You, you know what? Number one, Pennsylvania has produced a lot of great quarterbacks. Oh, most definitely. Dan Marino, Johnny Unitas. Uh, Joe Montana, these guys are from Pennsylvania. But one thing about Dan Marino, just same thing with John Elway early in the 80s, all he needed was a run game. Imagine if they would have got him a run game in the 80s slash 90s, it would have been totally different. Granted, he wouldn't have 
all of the passing records, and he wouldn't have led the league in passing five times and all of that because he would have had something to offset it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you had the Mark brothers, Mark Clayton and Mark Duper. Oh, yeah. You had uh, Bruce Hardy as a tight end. I mean, but you can find me somebody outside of a Miami fan at that time to name me the running back that he had in the 80s. I, I know I can. I, I I would have to really, really think and dig into the bowels of Dingo, as my daughter calls it, and try to find something. But he didn't have a run game. And I think that's what hindered him his whole entire career. His last game, and I wish I, I prayed to the football gods that he would come back after that last game where they lost to Jacksonville 62-7. to yeah, he knew it was over. I was like, I didn't want to see him go out like that. Yeah. Not going to lie. Who else we got? Uh, hmm. Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, Phil Sims. An, an, another one. And you know what? I hate to, I hate to do it again. I, I, I got to go back and rip the Band-Aid off. That Super Bowl in 86. Against the Broncos, I think that was the greatest quarterback performance ever in a Super Bowl. Yeah, super accurate. I knew, man. I knew we were in trouble. So focused, son. Like I knew it. But everything went his way. He had a pass that was tipped, and Phil McConkey caught it for a touchdown. Yeah. When when things like that start happening, pack it up. It's over. Yeah, it's definitely over. I mean, one more quarterback. And I've gotten crucified before he made the Hall of Fame. I got crucified about telling everybody he has to be considered one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. Warren Moon. Oh, yeah. Can't forget about, about Warren. And the wild part about it, he had the receivers, he had the running backs. But I always, I always wondered what was keeping him out of the Super Bowl. What was keeping him away? And it was the defense. It was yeah, the defense was like was shaky dog like. Ugh. <laughs> if anybody doubts that it was a defense, they had Buffalo thirty-five to three. Yeah. And what did they lose? 30, uh, 41-38 in overtime? Nah, it was I think it was 38-35. I had the fact check. Was it 38-35? Yeah, yeah, it was 38-35. Engineer a, a comeback engineered by University of Maryland own Frank Wright. And you know he has a record for uh largest NFL comeback and largest uh college football comeback. Oh wow. When he, he came back against uh no it was forty one thirty eight. Hmm. He came back against Miami and won. Wow. They trailed thirty five to three at the half and won forty eight forty one to thirty eight. Okay, forty one to thirty eight. All right. I apologize to all the listeners out there. Yeah, that's man. Yeah, I I, I remember that game. 
Matter of fact, yeah, we got. I was wondering, probably one of one of millions of people start watching that thirty-five to three. <laughs> Most people think, you know, when you tell a story about a game like that, that you're making it up. Yeah. I, I couldn't. I couldn't make it up. You know what? I was. I had just got out of church, and we were over at my uncle's house over in Annapolis. He used to live uh, maybe like four blocks away from uh. What is it called? Navy Marine Corps Stadium. Mm-hmm. So he had a, a, a TV in the kitchen. And this is long before everybody had cable and satellite dishes. So he was like, you want to sit in the kitchen and, and watch the game so you don't have to go in the basement by yourself. I'm like, okay. Right. So I'm sitting in the kitchen. I'm rocking back and forth. My mother's like, take your coat off. I'm like, no, 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 no. No, I don't know what's going on with Buffalo and I know Tony probably upset, and I sat there and watched that entire comeback. When Jim Kelly went out, I was like, oh, God, it's not over. Frank Wright got to come in and do something. And look what happened. I, I, I stuck with that game because I believed wholeheartedly that Buffalo was going to come back and win that game. To this day, I still haven't watched that comeback in, in like, in full. I didn't even watch it when I was young. Yeah, I'm going to tell you something. It was amazing because you didn't expect. Now, Frank Wright should have been a starter in the league a long time ago, long before he even got a chance to. But he was the backup to Jim Kelly. But the thing is, when he came into that game, that offense clicked just as, just as well as if Jim Kelly was running it. I'm like, okay. It, it's no, no – nothing's missing here. They're firing on all cylinders. Right. You had uh, – who did you have? Thurman Thomas, Kenneth Davis, uh, James Lofton, Andre Reed, uh, Keith McKellar. Um, Carwell Gardner was the fullback, and then you had Bruce Smith, Cornelius Bennett, Daryl Talley, uh, Nate Odoms on the defense. Like, and I'm naming these guys off the top of my head, I used to tell you that whole entire defense, but they clamped down and they came back. Like, you, I mean, like, you know, hey, sit down, chill, we got this, yeah, and it happened. <laughs> you know what? Mm-hmm. It, it, it ain't as bad as uh twenty eight to three in a Super Bowl though. With uh <laughs> the Patriots coming back and beating the Falcons a couple of years ago. Yeah, you know what? That's that's still uh man. Matter of fact, I have I haven't heard or seen any Falcons fans since then, and that was like damn near two years ago. Exactly. And what's wild about it, I think that's the only time I've ever pulled for Tom Brady to win the Super Bowl. I didn't. I, I, I honestly did. I, I pulled for – I don't even know what – you know what? I didn't believe in Atlanta. I really didn't. I knew Julio Jones was hurt. And I was like, Matt Ryan ain't the same Matt Ryan. But I pulled for Tom Brady to win that. When they were down 28-3, I remember – Sitting in the living room. You know what? 
I know why I was pulling for uh, the Patriots mm-hmm. because the Falcons beat Green Bay that year. That was the year that Green Bay knocked out. Uh, they knocked out Dallas. Yeah. And I, I think I celebrated a little too hard because I was like, okay, Green Bay got a chance to do it. Mm-hmm. And when they knocked out Green Bay, I was like, you know what? I'm not dealing with this anymore. I, I don't want to see the Falcons win anything. Yeah, they, it's just I still I, to this day I still can't believe it. Then, then we got a Super Bowl that went to overtime, first time. I mean, that was history in the making. Period. Yeah, overtime, but then they won. Yeah, first drive. Right. It was just super easy. So. Mm. I don't think Atlanta has recovered, has fully recovered from that. Nah, they they still Super Bowl hungover. I mean, I I don't think they'll ever recover from it until something some up front changes. You know, front office or coaching changes. But then they lost their offensive coordinator in Kyle Shanahan, so their whole offense took a different direction. Yeah. So we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up right there. Um have you you been watching any preseason football? Yeah, actually I have. Um I watched um us, the Broncos, play against um, Minnesota. And I think we might be um in a market for yet another quarterback. Um Case Keenum is good, but I think we might be letting Paxton Lynch go. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard from uh, from Jim that they taking up a GoFundMe account trying to raise six hundred thousand dollars to get him out of there. Yeah, so we could pay the uh, you know his, his um, you know when you release him, it's dead money. So you make sure that that's covered. <laughs> I, I see they out there. They cold blooded out there in the mountains too. I see. Nah, man, but. I mean, it's preseason, so, you know, shout-out to my Broncos. Shout-out to all the Broncos fans out there. Um, you know, it's still early, but right now I just don't see it for the kid. You know, I'm trying to remain positive, but I got to be a realist too. You know what? You said a realist. That's what I consider myself. Yeah. And to Redskin Nation, mm-hmm. Redskin supporters, Yes, Darius Geis went down with a torn ACL. That does not mean the season is in the toilet. That does not mean we're a curse. Cut the curse talk. The season's not over. We still got Chris Thompson, Samaji P. Ron. We still got Fat Rob. We got these guys. So I'm saying this to Redskin Nation. Hold your head up. Trust me. It's going to work out. Yeah, y'all going to be all right. Yeah, just got to trust the process. That's it. One man does not make a season. Exactly. We, we are a team. Exactly. That's it and that's all. Yes, sir. And I also wanted to say to everybody listening, whether you listen to us on the way to work, on the way home, while you're working out, in the kitchen cooking, whenever you listen to us, thank you. Just a huge thank you to everybody, anybody that, that emails Lil Paul, uh, tweet that battle back and forth with, with me on, on Twitter. Um, anybody that 
likes the, 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 the post on Facebook, Instagram, anything. Thank you. Yeah, shout the, out to the listeners, man. Exactly. From the bottom of my heart. Thank you. We appreciate it. Now, you know this part of the show, we run down everywhere you can hear us at, where you can reach us. So, without further ado, you can hear us right here on Anchor FM, Spotify, Radio Public, Breaker, CastBox, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Google Podcast, and iTunes Podcast. We can be reached at sidelinejunkies247 at gmail.com. Or you can catch us on Facebook, Sideline Junkies, colon, podcast. On Twitter, Sideline Junkies, all one word. Any final words for everybody tonight, Delonte? Um, you know, just thanks for listening. Um you know, to, you know, whoever, you, whatever team you root for, you know, if y'all lost first preseason game or, you know, keep in mind it's only preseason. You know, your teams are still trying to work out all the kinks. So, you know, just stay positive and, you know, against all the listeners, you know, we appreciate y'all from the bottom of our hearts. Um, you know, shout out to all the teams, man, Broncos, Skins, Bills, Steelers, even the Patriots, you know. But, hey, man, you know, that's all I got. Hey, I'm in the same vein. Thank you. And number one, let me say this. I want to say thank you to you, Delonte, Jim, Junie, PJ, Allen, when you can get on. I thank everybody. Everybody that's a part of this show that makes this show go. Thank you. We're not worried about who don't support us anymore. We're worried about who, who we got in front of us, and we're going to show them love. So I, I say thank you. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So with that being said, everybody enjoy your Tuesday going into Wednesday. Have a a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful rest of the week. Hopefully we'll be back. I'm not even going to give a day because I don't want you to get hyped up. Then I didn't come. So we'll be back before the end of the week, before Saturday. We should be back. Yes, sir. We'll see y'all then. All right, peace to everybody. Peace.